This episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast is brought to you by On Point Pomade. Keep your beard and hair looking on point with their line of pomades and beard oils over at onpointpomade.com. Use our code BSP15 at checkout and get 15% off your total purchase order. So thanks again to On Point Pomade for sponsoring our show. This episode is also sponsored by the Bean Bastard Coffee. Head over to thebeanbastard.com and pick up any one of their delicious hand-roasted coffees. Coffee lovers will also enjoy their hand-cut and handmade espresso candles and soaps as well. If you're in the Buffalo, New York area, head to their store located at 448 Elmwood Avenue. And thanks again to the Bean Bastard for supporting this show. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. With over 500,000 officially licensed items in their online store, you're guaranteed to find something you need. Use our code BRUTALLY and get 10% off your total purchase order. Now on to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am your host, John, and this episode's guest is Malcolm Brickhouse. Uh, formerly of Unlocking the Truth is probably how you know of him best. Uh, he was the guitar player in that band, but he is out now with a solo album, uh, solo material at this point. I don't think a, a full album has been released. I know there's been a few singles as of uh, when I'm recording this. Um you can probably still tell I'm getting over sick. I finally went to the doctor. I finally got diagnosed with uh, with a sinus infection, which obviously affects your voice. Um, all of that said, uh, you can guess what I've been drinking plenty of water. Uh, just loads and loads of water uh, to try to help fight off this, uh, this cold, this infection. Uh, but none of that is really relevant other than... You're literally listening to me with a, a shit voice, but uh, this is actually a really interesting conversation. I remember when getting uh, the email from Amy over at Adam Splitter uh, about having Malcolm on, and when they had sent the the email with the, the new single of his at the time, I was like, there is literally probably nobody better suited than me uh, to have Malcolm on because of my love of hip-hop and listening to newer hip-hop because of my wife, as well as kind of being in the metal hardcore world and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so the, really the Venn diagram uh, for a guest like Malcolm is perfectly on this show, uh, especially if you follow over on Patreon, the weekly playlist I put out. Uh, you don't need to be on Patreon actually to hear the playlist, but to uh, see the explanations. Uh, there's usually a lot of hip-hop on there, and uh, just definitely something that I've always loved and gravitated toward musically. Uh, so it was really kind of cool getting to talk to Malcolm about kind of merging uh, these two styles together uh, and really kind of doing it in such a way that I'm not really necessarily hearing, you know, as you'll kind of end up hearing in the chat itself. Uh, you know, I kind of talk about, you know, you know, people like Juice World uh, and Trippy Red and some of these other artists are, are kind of really trying to merge uh, kind of the 
the indie world of, you know, rock, I guess, uh, and more so in the lyrical presentation uh, to, you know, these this kind of underground rap uh, kind of harkens a little bit back to like some of the, the backpack rap era of, you know, the, the late 90s, mid to late 90s and early 2000s. Um, and just to kind of see what Malcolm's doing. Uh, I think he's definitely got a, a very unique uh, take on what's going on, uh, obviously being more from Actually, I think that's kind of the more interesting part, and you'll kind of hear more of it. And I always kind of never know how far to go into these in the intros, but you know, the fact that Malcolm is very aware of the fact that you know he comes from the rock world as well as you know being ensconced in you know this kind of hip hop culture and so forth. Um, the fact that he even is aware that you know some of his friends don't really you know, say they openly fuck with, you know, rock music and so, so forth. But then there's the adverse where, you know, some other people are like, oh, I don't really fuck with hip hop because I don't know if we're still in this, this phase of people feeling the need to appease everyone. Like, I mean, the thing that's great about music is it unlocks, no pun intended, different feelings. It, it, it brings out different things in you. And so to, to say, or be afraid to say, I, I like this style of music because it, it may not be what, you're expected to listen to, I think is just so, so interesting and odd. Um, and to me, the best records and the best music has always been those that push the boundaries of what are quote unquote supposed to be. I mean, you look at a band like Rage Against the Machine and there weren't necessarily bands that did that, but they were heavily influenced by the hip hop culture that they grew up with. Um, you know, obviously pulling from bands like Public Enemy, pulling from bands like, um, I mean, really, Public Enemy is the, the best example. I mean, you even go and look at what Public Enemy had kind of done with Anthrax, you know, with Bring the Noise being one of the first kind of crossover between metal and hip-hop. Although you can kind of go back to, you know, if you watch a lot of these band documentaries and so forth that I've watched, it's so funny to see, you know, someone like Billy Squire, who everyone knows is on The Stroke, but in hip-hop culture, he is probably one of the most sampled artists in hip-hop. Uh, and a lot of people I don't think know that, especially rock musicians, I don't think know that. But it's so funny to see there's such a divisiveness between rock and metal or, you know, metal and hardcore or hip hop and, and rock. And it's like, but we all borrow from each other so much that it's so funny to see this this weird gatekeeping, I guess, for lack of a better term, Um so it's, it's kind of funny to kind of get into this conversation with Malcolm. Um, I'm going to shut up and we're just going to get into it. This is a really interesting, long conversation with Malcolm. So let's get into it and I will talk to you all on the other side of it. Safari didn't support this. Oh, yeah. Typically, most everyone just either A, like they already have it on their laptops or whatever, or oh. use their iPhones and shit, and it's just straight to go right away. So, mm -hmm. so apologies on my end. I thought uh, maybe Amy would have said something about it, but it's all good. It's all good. So, um, the, usually these are just kind of loose, uh, just conversations, really. Um, so, I don't have really anything written down. We're just going to talk and kind of see where it goes from there. That's what I like. There we go. So I, I kind of knowing that I was going to talk to you, um, something I've 
kind of was thinking about quite a bit because actually so like little backstory so i went to see code orange last night and it's been weird because like there's a little bit of nostalgia uh wrapped up in going to see them because i saw them on the iron king cycle in the same room with 30 people uh right. obviously since then the whole world has found out about who uh code orange is and and what they've gone on to do mm-hmm. and it was kind of weird because I, I felt like there's this weird sense for that for me from them where you know they were touted as kind of this really important band that's gonna bring the underground to the forefront again and and kind of this whole thing that we perpetually see when when a band starts doing something and the the media starts taking notice that something is happening something artistically or whatever and it kind of reminded me a little bit and i don't know if it's because i knew i was talking to you today where i kind of was looking at it going like I feel like the same thing happened with you when like the viral video of, you know, you guys playing in Times Square started happening. And then all of a sudden it was, you guys are, you know, this young band, you're playing instruments, you're playing metal and you're going to save rock and roll. You're going to save metal. You're going to bring in all this shit. And it starts potentially putting these unrealistic expectations on people, on bands, on artists. And, another weird parallel maybe is, and it's the only one I can kind of think of where potentially this has been done to someone else in another medium. But you look at someone like a LeBron James where dude straight up is like killing it in high school. And then they're literally televising his games and they're putting adverts in front of before his game starts of magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Larry bird, like some of the greatest that have ever played. And then right. presenting you this kid who is literally still a kid, ha- doesn't even probably know who the fuck he is or what he's going to going to become. And there's all these expectations heaped on this motherfucker. And then it's like, I can't help but think maybe the same thing happened to you guys and unlocking the truth where it's like, here is this thing and you're doing it because it's so pure. Now right. there's all these expectations on it. So I kind of mm-hmm. wanted to, to think of, and go back a little bit and ask you, you know, how, how did you deal with it at such a young age to, to, do something that was fun and just passion and passionate about to then it becoming this thing where you apparently you and your, your friends are the saviors of metal. Right. Um, I didn't even see it as uh, being the saviors of metal. I felt like it was more being the saviors of like uh, my parents, like their, you know, what they want, you know, they didn't force me, you know, um, I like what the adults wanted. We wanted to have fun. And it just so happened that that fund turned into a business. And that's really confusing. Well, and you, you also have to remember that it's it's in real time. So I don't realize how surreal or like, you know, um, unique this experience is. Mm-hmm. So, um, but looking back on it, uh, I was more so once everything started rolling and, you know, like you're saying, like how they, you know, I guess take advantage kind of, you know, um of the purity of what we're doing uh it was more so to fulfill their needs i realized later on and it, it stopped being fun Just, I, <laughs> <laughs> well i mean I, I i think that's kind of the interesting thing that we often do i think to children and, and i don't know and this is going to be this conversation potentially might be slightly awkward on my end because i have things I've thought of questions, maybe that'll arise, but I also want to be respectful of, 
differences culturally, maybe how we grew up, how we how we live right. and stuff like that. So potentially when I say these two and more so to the viewer who may watch us after the fact. No, no, it's fine. Um, but, you know, I often think about how, you know, I grew up in, and I got to play music. I got to play sports and stuff like that. And it was just an outlet and something I got to do for fun. Right. Track was really the only thing I was good at. Um, yeah. But it was one of those things like I was never pressured to do anything. I was never pressured to this is kind of an outlet or an out for us to get out of poverty, get out of a situation, whatever. It was never really looked at that way. And I and I don't know if that's maybe the difference in, in our generation, because and I'm not entirely sure how old you are, but like I just turned 37. So I feel like now you potentially would have grown up where the internet exists and people can see ways to fast track success in something when you are right. inherently good at it. Mm-hmm. Um and we've seen too many examples of, of parents, you know, especially in collegiate sports where they get, you know, the bribes and the family gets taken care of and, and it sometimes is at the detriment of uh, the student athlete being able to to actually go and be there for what he actually is there for, which is to be an athlete and to be a student. Um, I just want to uh, be, just want to make it clear. Um, it's not even like we were trying to even get out of poverty. I think it's just um, the overall greed that humans have. So no, there's sure. nothing like, so like right now I'm not in school, I'm not in college because um, I'm fortunate enough to have it set up where um I have a mom that can support me right now, you know, and stuff like that. I still live with her right now. Um, so I'm, I was never struggling. No, 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 no. It was just some kind of greed thing, like, you know? And but I do understand um, culturally where how that it could look like that too, though. But I think the other thing too is we now live in this society, I think, where a lot of times people are quick to glom on to something where they think there's going to be a ticket to success. Right. And I think that's always been prevalent. And but I think the other big talking point that I think is interesting is, you know, I often, you know, coming from the hardcore scene, growing up in in that and so forth, you know, we saw a lot of bands that were signed young, straight out of high school, even earlier. And then basically they're now making money for somebody. And then the thing, the reason they got signed was because they saw value and they, they saw they loved what you were doing. But then it becomes this thing where you know, your next record, the one that is under the label or so forth, all of a sudden it becomes this thing of, well, we don't hear the single, we don't hear this. And then it's like, well, but you liked what I was doing and now I'm doing the same thing. Why don't you like this anymore? And I often think of how does, how does that impact you a as, as really a child, but B as an artist, like how, as you, like I said, you're trying to figure out who you are. So kind of what is that process like for you as you're kind of starting to, to, you know, write these new unlocking the truth records and so forth and, and kind of coming into your own as a person and as an artist, but now you're being told it's maybe not what someone was expecting. All right. So, um, so unlocking truth is completely over with, um, yep. uh, at the, how did I, um, I guess like towards the end of like the hype, which I would say is like the hype really only lasted from like 2013. I'm assuming I really don't remember that well to 2015. And I guess it like really ended like 2016, mm-hmm. like around that time is when like, I really started figuring out like what, what was going on and who I was. Um, cause before that I was just rolling with the punches mm-hmm. and, um, uh, you know, I have, uh, 
I struggle with uh sorry about that. Um no, you're good. I struggle with uh drug addiction, um and a lot of mental health problems. Uh and they stem earlier from different experiences, but a lot to do with that experience. Um trying to know who you are when other people have this vision of you and then feeling guilty, you know, for not, it's so confused. It doesn't even make sense to me. I hate that. It's like that. And like, um, my new music is, um, I, first of all, the, um, I like that I'm starting over, but that fast paced success, that's a high in itself. So I was mm-hmm. addicted to also the tension I was getting because um, unlocking the truth was kind of a void filler for me for being bullied in school and being the different kid. So it was right. like uh, I built a really strong ego around that character, Malcolm. That's you know on the internet, and it, it's so so many layers to this. But now um, I get to um, just make my own music, express what I want. It has like you know little hip hop flavors. Uh, I'm just practicing um i'm really learning who i am right now and um usually usually we only know who we are based on what other people tell us and i'm just kind of feeling out what makes me happy right now that's it really if it makes me happy then it feels right well i think and part of the reason i kind of started on on such a a heady topic is because you know as far as what i've been given you know rapture is the first single that you've kind of put out now that's new and it's interesting because you know you you start the video off by saying it's inspired by a true story and Mm -hmm. i kind of laughed a little bit when i saw some of the comments of people you know being like oh you know fuck that girl da 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 honestly i I don't even read the comments i I did not i haven't i mean yeah no one does i mean i just read i hate it i know (laughs) but i thought it was funny because a lot of people take it so literally and i really kind of wondered as I'm looking at some of the lyrics, I'm kind of wondering if it's, if Rapture is kind of more about your experience going through the music industry. Right. Yeah. Like I I kind of was taking more of that versus more of, and everyone goes through heartbreak and relationships and so forth. But to me, it's like, you know, you have like the line of, uh, and actually I'm going to pull it up so I don't get it wrong. Um, but you know, like you make the comment in it where you're talking about, uh, fuck, where is it at? Uh, you talked about basically like giving half your heart, you know, right. in it. And you know, basically someone didn't give you the half to make you feel whole. Right. And like to me, just kind of peripherally on the outside of what I noticed was going on with unlocking and how it just kind of seemingly just went away very as quick as it came. Mm-hmm. That I'm like, you know, as I'm hearing that lyric, I'm like, you know, you can almost say that maybe that's a, an analogy for being in the music industry. Like I it gave is. you half my heart and I was looking to you on the business side to make me feel whole and be a whole person, a whole artist, all this kind of shit, you know, with a lot of the, the, the lies right. and prom- promises that people will tell you. Right. And then, you know, they stab you in the back and all this kind of shit, especially when you probably need those people. Right. And then it's like, all right, well, fuck. Now what? And so, like exactly. to me, when I when I listen to this song, and you know, like you know, I'm looking at a sign sign or a lyric right now. Sunny days turn to fall, in the rain standing tall, just numb to the pain. When I fall, I take the blame, like it's my fault. Like you as artists are essentially always the fucking scapegoat when something goes wrong, right? Mm-hmm. And it's and I think that's so shitty, and and it's one of those. Like I said, I couldn't help but see so many connections to right. this. Is really a song about probably your love affair with the music industry. It's a love affair. Uh, 
I've come to realize, uh, I guess that like the the fame. I don't know if you want, I don't know what you want to call it, but I guess that fame, you know, the music industry. Uh, I'm I'm in love with quick highs, mm. and that's because of that experience. And uh, as you all know, that uh, I like things that are not very long lasting. They don't last very long. And that's what I've been working on. And that's what kind of the songs are about. So you can see similarities between like maybe drug use, heartbreak, that experience, if you know, like what I've been through and it all goes together. And I kind of just try to put this, you know, put the, all that stuff in one kind of. So you're, you're spot on with, you know, how I felt. Well, I think that's the other thing. And, you know, I'm really thankful that, you know, on your YouTube and so forth, that you actually put the lyrics out there because sometimes it's real easy to to mishear something or like and you know that's sometimes the the great thing about music is you know you look at a band like corn notoriously never puts out their lyrics so you know it it leaves it to interpretation so maybe you know what you think you hear is what you needed to hear and that's why you connect with it but there are a lot of artists i feel like especially when you're dealing with more headier topics like you know you're talking about on rapture and potentially what you will be talking about going forward that it's nice to be able to read it because like, it's still open to interpretation, but right. it's still nice to literally be able to go, this is what you are actually saying. Right. All right. Let me kind of, let me, let me think about that for a little bit. Let me see exactly. where it sits and let me see how you're manifesting it in like your, your video and, and what it means mm-hmm. and so forth and, and kind of take in the full package of what you're presenting. And I don't feel like, sadly, I don't feel like a lot of hip hop is doing that right now. Uh, unfortunately i think they're just so focused on visual narrative um that i think it's it's kind of not cheapening the product of the music or their lyrics but i think it's just maybe they don't maybe they don't feel strongly attached to what they're writing maybe and that's why they're not putting it out there i'm pretty sure it's more so what it is is this is something to have fun they're just trying to have fun you know they're just making music so that's that's what, what i respect about it um i realized like trying to like Going through that process, you kind of, you know, I kind of try to hold on to the fame. So I tried to, like, see how far I could take my metal hip hop, but it, it can only go but so far. And, like, you know, there's Rapture. There's other stuff I have, you know. That's kind of how my music uh, is right now. It's not, like, straight heavy metal or straight, you know, hip hop. It's definitely more on the rock side, but you definitely hear those um, hip hop influences. Um well, I think even I think that's kind of the interesting thing right now for me, like, you know, having been someone who was really into hip hop growing up, you know, that late 80s, early 90s hip hop to even, you know, kind of the mid 2000s with, you know, the very regional, like, you know, no limit. You had your uh, cash money and stuff like that. And then even the East Coast, West Coast stuff between Death Row right. and uh, Bad Boy and all that. But it's like that's crazy to me. <laughs> because hip hop to me that's not so hip hop to me is like like little Uzi Vert like but I mean that's and that's where I was going is like you know one of the first I, I don't want to call him new because he's not but like one of the newer artists for a while that I was really into was J Cole because I loved his whole thing of like he came out his whole shit was I don't got no fucking features like it's me. And right. if this record's gonna be dope, it's me. It ain't on mm-hmm. the success, the back of nobody else's success. It's straight up because of me. Right. And I kind of love that because I a lot of the a lot of hip hop is very, and I love this about it because it's not prevalent in metal or <laughs> or rock. But everyone wants to work together. They want to help each other succeed and so forth. And they have all these cosigns. And unfortunately, rap, metal and rock don't do that. They're very 
divisive and and all that. So it's it's interesting to see someone like J. Cole come in and just kind of flip the game up where he's like, I ain't going that route. I'm going to be successful because of me, not because of anyone that, like I said, is on my record or endorses me just because me and my shit's that good. But then we started seeing this this new kind of new era of. And I don't really even know what to call it because I don't really necessarily want to say it's just rooted in hip hop. It's not really rap. It's not pop. It's kind of an amalgamation of everything. It's almost just straight up alternative music really is what I would classify right. it. And it's it was really like someone like Juice World who was kind of bringing what felt like when emo music was kind of coming into the early 2000s where it it felt like those kind of bands. Right. And it was really it that big. Feeling. It's yeah. not the same music, but it gives you the same feeling. Yeah. And that to me really borrowed from like what Kid Cudi was doing on that first man on the moon record where it's like, yo, I'm going to talk about my depression and a lot of the shit I'm going through and, but I'm going to make it sound good. So like it can still be played at a club and shit like that. So it's, it's weird that it's like, I have some of these newer influences of stuff I've been listening to. And even like what trippy red's trying to do on his new stuff, where he's kind of picking up seemingly where juice world kind of left off with this alternative hip hop thing. And I feel like, you know, when listening to a song like Rapture, I'm like, okay, like you're you're right in the mix of all that where I think you actually have more credibility in the rock side of things because of what you've done. Right. And maybe you're going to have to kind of earn some some stripes in on the hip hop side of things because maybe most right. of us don't know you in that space. But this feels every bit as important or relevant as any of the other artists we've already talked about. Right. So I, and what just came up in my mind, my, my brain goes everywhere. I'm thinking a million thoughts a minute. Um, yeah. But um, I remember growing up listening to metal and feeling like a little alone. And like when you were talking about, like, you know, how everybody was like, you know, hip hop has like all the features and are always bringing people together. Um, my goal when I first started music was just to write music. Then the industry came in. Then it was just to chase the fame and see how much fame you can get. Now, having time to sit back my goal now is to try to i wasn't alive when metal was like i guess or i didn't live around the people where metal was cool like Mm -hmm. how hip-hop is like when i watch like old metallica videos and like i don't know just watching like the young inks towards rock music i feel like it's possible to reinvent and i want to be a part of that or at least the beginning of something you know that's actually guitar music that can speak to people my age you know going through the same struggles well i mean i think culturally too we're in an interesting time where you know we're seeing a lot of hip-hop people you know wearing like death metal band like cannibal like uh was it courtney kardashian or someone the other day was wearing a cannibal corp shirt or some shit and the internet went like fucking crazy with it and it's like Mm -hmm. like yeah i get it the the and kind of going again back to what i was saying how Unfortunately, I think the the biggest roadblocks for rock and metal are its own fans and the people within it because they aren't accepting of when anyone else gets into their little bubble of things. Oh, you wouldn't understand. And it's like, didn't weren't you the person that like sat alone with this fucking album or whatever? And and it made you feel connected. And then you'd go to a show and then you'd see 30 people or 100 and some odd people at a show and go, oh, my God, I'm not fucking alone. Why are you trying to alienate other people from getting into the thing that you supposedly love so much? Correct. Yeah. Um, I love um, before I called, I was actually um, mixing the song that um, I started with my friends. So like uh, like even like having like because there's black people that, that listen to rock but are scared to 
show their friends or whatever. And I have like two different features for my friends uh, on some unreleased music. So I'm definitely, you know, like adding. So there's definitely kids that want to do this, you know, and they're just scared to take that step to actually, you know. And I also have the musical ability to play the guitar and stuff like that. I mean, that's also um, another reason why I think guitar music is also failing is because it's so easy to make a beat. And why would you pick up a guitar? Like, why? Like, you know, it's the purpose. So you might be one of the few people I can ask this question to, and you you potentially will understand where I'm coming from with it. Because I either I'm talking to people who are so far into their careers and don't listen to to aren't in both worlds, basically, to understand this question. But so I've kind of been wrestling with the idea that I I don't know which realm is easier to not make it, but just to be able to to make a, an impact in musically. Because I feel like to be in a band, you have to get potentially get with, you know, three, four or five other people, sit down, write music. Then you got to tour, you got to build your name. You got to do all these things. And potentially that can take many, many, many years to do. Right. Adversely, I feel like in hip hop, because as a lyricist, you can literally just have someone give you a beat. You can be inspired in the moment. You lay down your track, put it out. Boom, you're done. Like right. it, it's, it's very in the moment and instantaneous. And I kind of love, that's why I kind of love hip hop. Cause it, it feels very in the moment. Right. But I feel like because of how easy it is to, to do that, it's such an over, it's an even more oversaturated market to, to make your voice be heard. Do you feel one kind of has an easier path to kind of being allowed, getting your voice heard to more people? And I don't know if I'm explaining the question very well. I'm still kind. Of, I've still kind of worked my way through it, but I just find there to be interesting entry points to to both. Right. The simplicity. I. That's why I love it too. I love it because it's so in the moment, and I also love metal because it's so like um, like rock, whatever, you know, guitar music because it's very encapsulating. It's very you know, um, but the music today is more fun. You know, even if it's sad, it's still like more fun. Um, so I don't know which one is, I think it'd definitely be harder um, trying, like what I'm doing is definitely, uh, it's gonna be a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I've been listening to music and literally just because I'm a part of the generation and I'm a, a part of the social media addiction, my attention span is extremely short too. So. Growing up listening to songs that have bridges and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> trying to like make that work today is so crazy. Like trying to make a two-minute rock song, it's I, I just don't understand how. But <laughs> I, I have a song called Intuition. I took it down, but um I, I'm figuring out a way to mix mix both of them. You know, it's 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 a process. Uh but I also think that, you know, there's people like uh, and I don't mind it, like I really don't. Uh, people think it's corny like Travis Barker working with MGK. Like, I don't mind that stuff. Like, because it says it's, it's a, that's an entry way too, because they're accepting him. I don't know why. I like some of the songs, but you know, um, uh, clearly people are, do want something different. There are people that want something different. Well, I think the other thing too, and a lot of people sort of forget, like, I mean, there's obviously a reason why Blink-182 is not doing anything, and that's because Mark has been going through cancer treatments and so forth. But um, I think the other thing that we sometimes forget with some bands is eventually it's like you can only do the the tour record tour cycle for so long before you get burned out, and then you right. need to be a person. 
but excuse me, beyond that, I feel like we forget that these are also creative people who want to create. So if Travis now is kind of fulfilling this role of, of a producer of sorts, let him. Cause I mean, that dude, you know, you want to talk about someone who has transcended different genres. I mean, with what he was doing with like the transplants, bringing in Tim Armstrong and uh, skinhead Rob or whatever, and kind of doing this weird, sort of punk hip hop hybrid kind of thing that sort of was more in line with, you know, something like Cypress Hill kind of than it had to with anything else. But it's like, okay, like if Travis is kind of the conduit for, for his fans to come in and be like, Oh, I didn't know. I really kind of fucked with hip hop or, you know, some of these other influences, then why not? Um, But I think that kind of goes back to everyone wanting you know, music and people to just be this one thing, you know, when setting this up and and talking to Amy, you know, in the email, I was like, I might be one of the few people that you'll talk to that has, that is kind of firmly rooted in either space. Like I often get looked at as, Oh, you're the rock metal guy. And it's like, yeah, but man, I've, (laughs) <laughs> fucking really love hip hop and R and B, like right, uh, right there with you. <laughs> so it's one of those where it's like I don't often get to talk about the other side of things that I'm into, but it's weird because a lot of times it's my love of hip hop and R and B that has allowed me to notice those influences getting sprinkled into metal and hardcore. And when I talk to some of these people that I do, they're like, I've never gotten to talk about that. Or, you know, you even look at that video that went viral recently of Dave Grohl explaining that the opening to smells like teen spirit. He's like, that's a fucking, you know, straight up, uh, like Motown beat the like, and it's just a fucking Motown beat. But you mm-hmm. played a little, little bit more aggression, and all of a sudden, now it's rock. And, right, exactly. And I remember him telling Pharrell that, and Pharrell was just like, mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. So I didn't see that. That's crazy, though. Yeah. Yeah. Little so, influences like that. I think, like, um, as you keep hearing, um, and I'm as I go forward with my music, um, I think my culture is definitely, like, I can't run away from my culture. So like when I make music, there's, there's a rhythm that uh, literally it just does. I have to put it this way that Caucasian people might not be able to replicate. So my metal, uh, like when I was making chaos, like with unlocking the truth, I'm impersonating bands I listen to, but as I grow to become my own person and realize what I want to do with my music is this, um, there's a little bounce to, to my rock that I can't help. And uh, the, the, um, Melodies and flows I choose are very more so on the R&B, hip-hop-ish side than anything. I think literally just the sonic sounds of guitar, metal, the, the guitars, the drums, the bass are what make it rock is the sonic sounds of it. But what I'm feeling is more of my R&B and hip-hop side when I'm you know creating and thinking of it and stuff like that. Hold on just a second. I, I saw that I have a text and an email from or whatever mm-hmm. fuck uh i don't i'll have to deal with that later i don't know what the fuck that's going on <laughs> someone's showing me some weird shit on facebook they're like can you handle i think i think someone hacked his account or something but i'm like <laughs> i don't not gonna fix your shit like you're on tour dude like you have all the time in the world fix that yourself <laughs> um i'll just turn my phone over i could hear it i could feel it vibrating against my desk so i was like <laughs> um no, but I mean, I guess I've never really kind of thought about that. Like, I guess maybe having to, 
I don't want to say homogenize, I don't think, but like just kind of having to to take yourself sort of out of like what comes natural to you to cater right. it to the the audience that you're you're basically playing for, at least in the rock and metal space. Mm-hmm. I guess I never really thought about how you would have to to change that because I feel like you know, especially in, in metal and, and kind of the way metal has been going with, you know, the more genty kind of stuff. I mean, it's so percussive and rhythmically inclined anyway. Like, I almost feel like that would be to your strength. Like, right. why would why would potentially you not want that? So to me, the, the fact that you're kind of saying like, you know, sometimes Mike, it's, you know, I have to kind of do things a little differently than what I would naturally be inclined to do is actually a really interesting concept and I, right. I never really thought of that like as something that you would have to do mm-hmm. I, it's not like I, I i never really got into gent so i don't I, I i see it i hear it you know uh, it's just not my thing i'm really just trying to uh somehow use this guitar music to speak to the people and i guess I, i'm realizing right now like the people in my community that didn't have a voice you know um i'm just trying to get to them because Metal is a for us. I don't know why it's so scary to us. I don't know why it's it's it's, it's not that serious. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I think right there it's not. I mean, kind of like the another comment I made last. I thought to myself last night is so when I saw Code Orange initially, they were an underground hardcore band and they were fucking scary. Like it was there was only thirty of us there, but I felt like they straight up wanted everyone in that room to essentially murder each other and them to be the, the soundtrack for it. That's, that's how it felt. Right. And it made you feel something very visceral. And it right. felt like, it almost felt like it could be like the soundtrack to like a snuff film kind of the way it's just overly mm-hmm. aggressive. Right. And considering everyone in the band at the time literally played an instrument and most of them did vocals. I felt like it just added this level of, uh, savagery where it's like you know the drummer's singing but because he's getting into it and it's getting intense so are his vocals and it's it's a cyclical thing we're seeing them now where it's like you know they got rack mounted kempers they got a nice sound guy nothing's too loud everything's perfect and and very pristine and it's like from a visual presentation it looks very good it sounds really good but i looked around the room and i didn't feel scared of anybody like there didn't, there wasn't that visceral reaction I had of walking in that room and hearing that music. And I didn't feel like I might be in trouble. Someone might whoop my fucking ass just for being yeah. in here and, and being a part of this. I didn't feel that. And I feel like potentially some people may see bands like that or hear things like that, that kind of music and just go, what the fuck? Like that, right. that's not something I can fuck with. I don't understand it. I didn't come from that. But right. I think the one thing that, Good. Oh no. Okay. <laughs> no, I was just thinking. Um. But today, like kids, like if you go to a party, we're moshing now. It's right. Not like you know. What do you What do you call it when like you throw the fists? I don't. I don't fucking remember. <laughs> like we're not doing that, but we're moshing there. To, I feel like it's the right time for my music, kind kind yeah. of like you know, if it catches on, it's like it would be the right, the time would be now because. They want, they, like, they like the rock music. I feel like we're still scared to accept that it's coming, kind of still. You know, like the the real rock. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like we like listening to Playboy Cardi and thrashing and saying we're punks and all that kind of stuff, like, and moshing. And I think when I went on music for, but I, my friends, um, 
they they do seem to like it. They're just not anything else like it out there, you know. And well, I think that's the hard part about being sort of at the forefront of, like I said, with some of these other artists, like you know, like what Trippy Red's trying to do, like what you know, some of these other artists are doing is there's not really, I don't want to say template. There's not really an example. Right. So and and people people are always afraid of what's new and what's what they don't know because unfortunately we live in a world even though we have social media and everyone in theory has the ability to showcase what their life really is everyone puts on a fucking front right. like i've always said like before twitter became what it is and there's still so many people that don't use twitter but twitter's where shit gets real like i would see someone post something vague on facebook and then twitter they would fucking call out the person by name because they knew <laughs> that person wasn't there like twitter is where like people will pop, fucking pop off and right. I, I kind of love that, but I also feel like, unfortunately, we live in a world where we're so able to really showcase who we are day in and day out, warts and all. But unfortunately, everyone wants to be fake and just wants to present the best thing or, right. you know, and like, you know, something you had said and, and I think is really commendable is, you know, you, you're pretty open about, you know, your your mental health and stuff like that. And, and I think that's very good like as someone who recently started going to therapy earlier this year myself i can't believe how much it's unlocked for me and how i've, I've noticed things a lot differently and i'm not afraid to talk about them like if someone's right. making me upset or whatever like therapy has taught me to vocalize something in the moment because if you don't no one knows like no one knows how you're feeling mm -hmm. and if you don't tell someone then they're never gonna know but i feel like adversely you have those of us who have those tools now to articulate ourselves the way we want to and how we actually feel but others aren't and others don't because right. they're still afraid of being judged for who they actually are and i feel like that correlates whether it's as just straight up as people person to person or even musically like i mean you don't want to sit there and be like yo i fuck with this real hard oh man that shit sucks oh yeah. all right yeah no i mean i, I don't really like it this right. part is cool and it's like you you get that because you don't want to you don't want to get judged. No one wants to right. feel excluded. Right. But the freedom comes from when you are able to just be. That's when it was fun. You know? That's, 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 what, um, that's So, and the reason why I'm so open about my mental health is because I feel like mental health is a, since, it's really like, a, like I don't, my mom hates it. Like I say I'm privileged. Like, I'm not extremely privileged, but like, I have like so much things not to worry about that well, the only thing I have to worry about are my thoughts. Like, <laughs> so like my thoughts consume me all the time. And I guess um, my music started changing into what it is now and realizing that I could like, you know, just make what I really want to make. Uh, when I first did my, cause I, I don't, I haven't been to a lot of real therapy. Uh, mm -hmm. I, it was like a lot of self-discovery. So like very young, I started trying psychedelics and that's kind of how I, it opened the doorway for me to realize like um, like the boxes, like the boxes in uh, society that hold us and, you know, make us think we have to be a certain kind of way. And then, but on the other hand, you know, uh, when you go too far and you feel too free, I also got addicted to sedatives or benzodiazepines because, you know, uh, trying to be yourself all the time and truly like who you are is very stressful and everybody else telling you you shouldn't be that so i definitely understand no it relates to the social media thing too you know well i think that like you know in my <laughs> it's funny I, I tell i've been telling the story a little bit recently to some friends because uh there's the perception that i don't 
do or have not done any of that kind of shit. And so like when I recount stories of like, oh, when I, you know, did coke a bunch one night and da da da, and they're like, what you did coke? And I was like, yeah, like I do it. I just don't do it often. Right. Like I have a healthy respect for for all the things that I've done. But right. I, I, as an inquisitive person, like, how could I not try some of these things and just see what it does? Like, I mean, heroin's right. heroin's one that, like, I don't think I'll ever fucking do because it just, I, there's too many stories of that just going horribly wrong. But, like, for the most part, I've never heard a story of someone eating too many shrooms and dying. Right. <laughs> like, you might feel like you're going to die, but, right. um, you know, that's why something like ayahuasca has me really fascinated because it's, like, right. it's one of those things where... Like, I think one of the uh, Jason Ellis um, made a comment. He was like, you know, you start bargaining with yourself in the middle of the trip because you're like, oh, I understand what you're tr- what this is trying to teach me about myself. And right. then it'll be like, nah, motherfucker, you know, you think you do. But like now I'm right. about to show you some real shit. And then you right. really get into the weeds and, and going from that. Like none of us have the answer. None of us really figured it out. Like there's, no. No, there's nothing to figure out. And that's what gives me the confidence to do what I'm doing with my music because no one's figured it out. No one really has, you know, um, I don't know. It's just so free. It's, 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 a, it's a very freeing experience and also scary. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's, that's been the one thing that's been interesting for me, like shrooms, especially, and, and even some of like the synthetic stuff that you can do, like your, you know, your DMTs and, and stuff like that. Like, Every time I've done something like that, it's always taught me something about me. Like, right. and I always have taken that further and kind of, like you said, like it's opened up about me. I haven't done any of that stuff in a while and like years. And I'm kind of like, okay, like I'm almost 40. I feel like my life's at a different spot than it was the last time I did it. I feel like yeah. I need to like go down that route and see what, what will be revealed to me this time. This time. Yeah. So it's uh it's one that like I'm kind of interested and excited to go down that road soon and just kind of see what new self-exploratory things will will be revealed. But it's also right. weird it's like you have people who demonize it and all that kind of stuff that have never done it, and you're just kind of like yeah. I feel bad for those people because I feel like everyone at least shrooms, like everyone should do <laughs> at least shrooms, <laughs> like just to kind of be like, yo, like find out about because it, it it really right takes you takes you out of yourself and makes you kind of right. deal with some shit at, at, that maybe you didn't know about mm-hmm. and then when you're done you're like oh all right well, like right yes I, I need I have, to. A lot, <laughs> I have a lot to work on right now and you know now and the other thing too that i think would be really interesting is in light of actually going to an at well not going i did it like this basically therapy mm-hmm. with a therapist over something like this that now that i have other tools that I wonder it's almost like playing a video game. I leveled up. So now I want to go back and see like what I could find or what it'll teach me now that I have other tools to to Mm -hmm. be in the midst of these things and, and what it'll unlock. So I often think, you know, people who do it or have done psychedelics, I I think are on a a different wavelength of thinking than those that have it. And, And unfortunately it sounds really pretentious to say it like that, but I think we, as those people are more apt to, want more to want to know more about who we are more about the world we live in and like you said it's interesting that once you start kind of taking these things the the boxes that you notice that people society all these things kind of start putting us all in you're like why the fuck does why is that and i and i chose to do them at like the stupidest time like i was still in the middle of like of, of, of the of like all the like clout ending like i was like right in the middle of it and i was like oh my god 
my family's not real, my band's not real, nothing's like, it was the worst. So then I'm coming back sober with this whole new mindset that makes me feel free, but everybody else is like, well, I depend on you. So I have to figure that out, you know, like, it's crazy. But I feel like maybe that's actually more a good thing for you because instead of everything essentially falling, like you kind of realized before it happened that it was happening. So you were able to better prepare yourself and those around you for the inevitable quote unquote collapse of that thing. And I think that's actually a good thing because instead of being blindsided, I mean, think about what it would have done to you had you not gone through that at that point. Right. And then feeling the weight of everything else compounded onto it. I mean, I can only imagine how much more worse that would have been for you mentally, just being in your own head about all of that shit then versus kind of equipping yourself for that. Right, right. It's still, like, I think I've never, I'm still working on letting go of that experience. And it never, it never felt like it ended still, kind of. Like, you know, it doesn't feel like there was a real end to it. Mm-hmm. We just disbanded. Um, so I never, I didn't look at it as if it was falling apart. I was just, I was really dissecting myself, um, seeing what I wanted. Um, and I really just want to make music. Like, I, it makes me happy. Like, uh, I just remember being a kid and just, all the, just trying to remember the things that used to make me happy, like anime, stuff like that, you know. Uh, everything they tell us that's not, uh, that doesn't help the rat race, you know. It kind of reveals that, you know, you can still, life is here for you to, you know, it's kind of like a play field. That's how I kind of look at it. So it's somewhere we can play around. And one of the games we have to play is the game of life. So, you know, you work in between those confines, trying to find your balance. That's kind of how I look at it. I'm still figuring it out. Well, it's kind of funny as, you know, talking to you now, it's funny how prophetic the old band name was for you. Like right. I, I guess I never re- I guess I never realized that until literally we're talking now. But I, it's kind of a really profound at such a young age. You you kind of tapped into something that maybe even you didn't realize you were tapping into at the time. Right. Yeah, I, I'm aware. <laughs> <laughs> I'm aware. Uh, my, my my brain's a pretty crazy place. <laughs> How I mean, this is kind of a out of left field question, but like. You know, you seem very much sort of like me, like you're constantly thinking of things. You're always working on a million things at once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How were you in school? Like, were you I'm not, good? I'm not. No, I mean, not not like, oh, like how were time. you? Yeah. <laughs> I just went to regular school. Like, we just, sometimes we would bring a tutor with us. If, well, you know, we I'm kind of talking more like. Like the balance. Well, no, not even that. Like, you know, like I, I did okay in school, but like, I definitely oh. was one of those that like, I, like I said, I ran track. I played basketball. I played football. I wrestled like I did. And I was like in a ton of extracurricular activities right. because I never wanted to just be the one thing. I had so many other things I was interested in, but sometimes those things were kind of a detriment to me because either I didn't have a social life because I was doing all these other things. I would fail classes because they weren't important to me at the time because, well, basketball or, you know, my girlfriend or whatever, or this video game. Like I, I realized I was not really meant for a traditional schooling system. Like I learn, I can retain knowledge very quickly, but I realized if, if the world existed the way it does now, I probably would not, I would probably be better being homeschooled and someone just kind of being like, all right, like here, kind of learn 
at your right. own pace and, and so forth. Cause I don't feel like the traditional school system is, is set up to, for people like us to succeed, if right. that makes sense. So I kind of oh, was yeah, wondering yeah, like how you, yeah. Okay. I see. Um, yeah. sorry. I didn't explain that very well initially. No, it's all fine. Um, it's a, it's just a battle with yourself. It's a, I don't know. I, uh, I, I got through it. I barely passed, you know, like that's how it was. Uh, I went to school high every day. Like <laughs> I didn't really give a fuck about school at all, really. Like I knew that's not what I wanted. Um, but try try to explain that to like your mother. Like they like, and then well, she also knows that I have my ideas from uh, at the time from the drugs I was taking, and she's like one of the people that uh, demonized psychedelics. So mm. you know, I kind of did just deal with it with myself and be like and trust myself. It's just trusting, like, even if I don't do good in this and I don't get praised for it, like, like so what? Like, just do what you like. And, like, I've – and the reason why I struggle with mental health is because it seems like I know all the things to do to make myself happy. But, like, I guess um, just the overall first experience um, of everything happening so fast, uh, I'm always just living in the future. So I'm, I'm aware of everything happening, but I'm always – I'm never in the moment always in the future and that's why that's where my um benzodiazepines leads to xanax that i have a really bad like relationship with xanax because it, it kind of feels like the key in my brain that like just like like the voice that talks all day it just goes away like in my head and that's the problem with that but i kind of just have to learn I just trust myself trust even the doubts like you know if i doubt something uh I re- yeah same thing. Just no one has all the answers. My mom could try to tell me this is how I should do it. My friends can tell me. You could tell me. But at the end of the day, uh, none of us really know even why we're here, how we're born, how this exists. So, you know, it's it's. I really just look at it like it's a playground and you just do what you do. And there are consequences. There's like karma. Uh, for There's good karma, bad karma. Decide what you want. You know, I decided to... Uh, chase fame and do all that and the end of that is that it's all um at the end it's 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 what's the word um all I, the word i think of right now is it's just it's, it's fake it's not real and you feel it at the end it's empty mm. it's not fulfilling and that's the chance i took with that so now i'm like you know playing the game playing the game and then just waiting out like the good and bad of whatever decision i'm making like you know well i feel like you know a lot of times I feel like you going through all that at such a young age is actually a, a blessing at, the, yeah. at, at after the fact of all the bullshit. But like, it's actually a blessing because you're you're able to now know what you want, how to like what's meaningful, and and how to kind of approach it from a more purist standpoint. You already know that like the fame side of things is fleeting and it doesn't last forever, and it's it's not fulfilling. Right makes. I almost feel like it actually makes you, I don't want to say a more dangerous artist, but someone who is going to be more interesting to follow because you already know that that shit ain't real. So fuck yeah, it. I'm going to do, I'm going to do what I want to do. Right. And I'm going to have people come to me versus me trying to chase the people. And right. at the, end of the day, the people that, you know, will find your music and, and appreciate it. Those are going to be the ones that are going to stick around more because there's more of a connection. They know it's not like, it's not processed. It's not fake. Right. It's all real. And, so. and, and that's definitely what I want to do it for. Um, and that's why my music is also, um, I'm, not, I'm not scared to express my mental health. Um, because 
that's just, this is just generally how I am, you know, like, I don't know how else to express myself. And it's a struggle when, um, you, like, you kind of like a dangerous artist and I'm aware of these things. And, but when you're like just in the basement making music by yourself and you're not getting the same satisfaction that you're used to when you just were just playing metal instead of like creating and thinking all these thoughts, it's kind of crazy. But when I do get like the little fan mail, I get and whatever, you know, it's, it's always deep messages, like how my music has, you know, helped them with their drug addiction or something like that. And that's really what I like, you know, if, it's not like I'm trying to save the world. I'm not trying to save the world. I barely save myself. But like, uh, if it makes you smile, if it, if it can help you, it's better than just chasing some fake idea of happiness, you know? Like, so yeah, it's my take. <laughs> you know, something you, you've said a couple of times and I, you know, if you don't necessarily want to answer this, it's you know, mm-hmm. fine. We can move on. But, you know, you talked a couple of times about, you know, your mom, when you were like going to school and, you know, doing a bunch of drugs and some of the ideas that you had and so forth. And, and obviously now, um, you know, still being a big part of your life. Yeah. Do you, ha- you know, cause, and I guess kind of maybe make this make a little bit more sense. So like, it's interesting talking to my parents now, cause as I've gotten older, I view my parents in this new lens of like their people. And now looking back at my life with them, thinking about like, you know, it's still kind of a mind fuck that you're like, okay, my parents had me at 24 at 24. I couldn't imagine being responsible for a fucking person. Like I, you know, and the questions that as I got older, like you start asking about life shit and you're like, motherfucker, I'm trying to figure this out. (laughs) Like how, like I don't got the fucking answers. So to, to look at your parents now as people, not as just you're a parent, how has your relationship maybe changed or how, how, what is it turned into based on, you know, it seemed like, you know, you seeming like you're kind of in a different space now than you were back then, you know, on a, on a multitude of reasons, how has, how has your relationship changed or grown with your mom over that time? Oh, did I lose you or did I, did I freeze? think that's me nope i'm still going signal still good oh there you are yep i'm sorry my wi-fi would be going crazy but um um yeah that's a that's a actually uh that's a, it's a big part of my struggles uh my it's really it's really the relationship with my mother mm-hmm. um seeing them as people and not just your parents. And I realized that a while ago and I used to, uh, I still do, but because she, um, yeah, I get very, I get very real. So it's going to get like, you know, I I have no filters. I don't know. I just, you know, uh, I'm like the, uh, for, for, I have a pretty regular relationship with my dad just because this personality wise, we just get along, you know, Um, he's more free, you know, um, she was one like you know when I think of one of the managers of Unlocking the Truth, like she was like one of the managers, you know. Um, and it's a, it's been a struggle for me to look at her like you know my mother, you know, like like you're the person that gave me the courage to do this, and also the person that took away the magic. Mm. Um, and uh, <laughs> I like. 
I feel like I've been like, um, and I feel like it's just from how she was raised and like I'm in her, I, I'm here because um, of her, one of her, a loss she's had and, you know, I'm filling that void for her. And, and I think, you know, she's a human. She's not meaning to hurt, you know, in any kind of way. And I always call her a narcissist because I really truly believe she's a narcissist. But then thinking about it that way, they're people. And I realized I have exactly all the same traits that she has. And the only way, like, we can ever stop the cycle of arguing every day was for me to see myself in her. And I have so many traits that are the same. And I'm realizing that, like, yesterday, like, just, like, like if I really just look at you as a person, I can understand you. And I, and I would feel just like you. And I was, like, listening to some of my songs, but putting myself in my mom's perspective, listening to the lyrics and how it would affect her, and I... It's like we're the same person. It, it's it's pretty crazy. So, um, who the fuck is knocking on my door? One second. Yep. <laughs> Here you go. Okay. Um, but yeah, um, it's just, I just, I, I could, yeah, I, I have to look at her as not like, you know, I, I just really felt like a real product. Like I, I, they just, yeah, I, I, I thought she mentally destroyed me, but as mm-hmm. I keep going further on my journey, it's really just a battle with myself. Like I can't blame anybody. Like, like how, if she decides to, I don't even know how to, I don't like when I give like exact examples, but matching her energy doesn't work. I have to be the bigger person or not even the bigger person, just realize she's a human and she has feelings and her feelings are valid. And if I think she's a narcissist because of how she treats me and that she she wants things her way and I'm arguing back saying I want things my way, we're in a loop right now doing the same thing. So if I can look at you and see myself in it, then things can change if we can look at each other as, you know, human part of the, you know, we're literally made of the same essence, whatever universe, God, <laughs> whatever we want to believe in. I, that's how I have to look at it. You know, um, we have a like, really strained relationship. Though. It's like really, really bad. <laughs> Which, you know, well, that's also in my music too. Uh, I don't know. It'll, it'll come up a lot. My mom, me saying mom and stuff like that. It comes up in a lot of my music. <laughs> Well, it's funny because, like I said, it, it's as you get older, you just kind of start looking at things differently. And and like I said, I don't know how much some of it, like, sadly, I felt like such a, a fucking cliche, like when my therapist is like, we're talking about something and then it boiled down to basically my parents. I was like, God damn it. Like, I was like, couldn't it have been something different? Like, not just my fucking parents. Like, come on. Like, I, I think I'm a little bit smarter than that. I could have figured that one out. But then as we started breaking stuff down, it's just it's it's a lot of things. And it's like, how can it not? Because that is essentially your foundation for, for you. Like you are in theory, at least like, I don't want to say like, like literally you are half and half of your parents, but I mean, you are basically the makeup of the two of them. So how would you not have components of them? Or even, you know, if you want to take it even a step further, because like, I know an interesting talking point and it was it's such, it's still funny to me, just the anomaly of this, but like, you know, my dad for a while was always getting on me about drinking. Cause he's like, well, I know you like drinking and all this kind of stuff. He's like, but you know, alcoholism runs in the family. And I'm like, okay, like I've never had a problem with it. 
But adversely, there was a time where I wondered if I was starting to have a problem. So I quit. Like I quit drinking for like nine months. And then he was like, oh, you're not turning into like one of those bitch straight edge people. Are you like that are really annoying? And I was like, I was like, well, (laughs) how how can you tell me that alcoholism runs in the family? And then you kind of make fun of me for quitting drinking. Right. Right. So it's just like the, the duality. And, and you know, like, you know, you look back on some of those examples or those personal experiences that you may have where when you look back, you go, huh, like maybe that's not a way to talk to your child or whatever. But then you have to go, well, I mean, I've said things to people where I'm like, in hindsight, maybe I shouldn't have said it that or right. is lost. I said that said something in the wrong tone or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we're all works in progress. We're all trying to become you know, the best versions of ourselves. And sometimes right. it takes a, a little bit of introspection and so forth to, to, to unlock that in you. Um, right. It's almost the shedding, essentially the shedding of ego to where you can right. finally, like you said, I think it's very commendable that you are able to go, I'm matching the same energy. So, and if I know I'm kind of the same way, then why would I expect this other person not to feel the same way I'm feeling? Because right. it's the same. And, right. You know, I think a lot of it just kind of goes back to, and unfortunately, more a lot of people don't have the same sentiment of treating people the way they would want to be treated, or at least right. thinking about someone, someone else for more than two seconds. Mm-hmm. I, so I have you, a problem with that. I, I, um, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I never realized like I'm, I have like a narcissistic. I'm probably a real narcissist, but like, uh, I, I'm. There's some, there's some awareness about it where I want to uh, change it. And the people like the people that I know are my friends that stayed with me when I was like, cause I was really doing really bad. Like on Zans, like they just fucked up, you know, like kicking people out of my life that did nothing to me. I uh, just think everybody was out to get me. Um, I don't know where I was going with that, but uh, well, just, just, like, just yeah. uh, the, there's also, yeah, you just have to treat people how you'd want to be treated at the end of the day. And uh, I commend those people and I work on myself because I know that, there are people that seen if if I anything like if I treat them anything like how I think she, like my mom treats me right and like she's not a I don't people think like she's like abused me crazy I just it's just what it is um, but like and you stay like I have to learn some compassion for, too because if I can't give you the same compassion woman and I'm looking for friends and I'm complaining like oh everybody's fake who am I like, what am like I look bad too then like I'm just as I'm probably worse. Everything I'm complaining about is something about me. It's something I don't like in myself. Yeah. And it's really hard to look at that. It's And I quit psychedelics because I've went too deep. I've thought too hard. And I feel like just figuring out sober, whatever, is a better option for me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I but, think uh... – I think that's kind of a good place to wrap this up. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to having you back on down the road when there's uh, some more music, some more lyrics to talk about, right. some more more life that we both have lived uh, that maybe informs another chat. But uh, this is a lot of fun. Like I said, I was really looking forward to this when this uh, came across my email just because, like I said, like, you know, where we kind of started off is some stuff I've always, you know, thought about when right. you, know, you guys were coming out and just – you know, like I said, and I think it makes more sense now that I've kind of talked a little bit more about therapy and kind of getting to know myself and thinking about like my parents becoming people. I probably could have set that up a little bit more, but I think it kind of comes full circle, you know, here at the end, you know, as why I kind of was asking those things because I I, I assume that all have to to, uh, have an impact on you. Uh, And then obviously, you know, like I said, like I noticed lyrically, it seemed like 
possibly some of those things that you went through as a kid informed, you know, rapture. So right. I kind of was sort of setting it up and kind of trying to set the groundwork for, for where, right. where I was thinking these things were being informed by, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see that I was not off with my line of thinking. Uh, unfortunately, I'm sorry that you, you had to kind of go through those things to, to get, you know, to the, those lyrical concepts and, and so forth. So um, thank you for taking the time. And oh, thank um, you for having me. Yeah. Where can uh, people find you or whatever you'd like to plug online? Um, you can find me at Malcolm Brickhouse uh, everywhere. But the C in my name is X, like M-A-L-X-O-L-M-B-R-I-X-K-H-O-U-S-E. Sorry for the complication. Don't it's listen. So cool when I look at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, at least you're not doing I mean, I, I mean, what was it? Uh, the trend like five years ago or whatever is turning all the vowels into V's. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you're, I mean, you're just kind of borrowing that and adding right. to it. So enjoy the rest of your day, man. And uh, looking forward too. to talking Thank again. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Peace. So that was my conversation with Malcolm Brickhouse again of himself, uh, formerly of unlocking the truth. Um, no, we kind of got heady right out the gate. Uh, you know, something that I, I find very interesting as a, you know, almost 40 year old person myself and, and kind of uh, really digging all kinds of forms of music. Uh, I was actually just having this conversation with someone the other day at the bar uh, when we were talking about music and I was, someone had asked me somehow about, you know, oh, I was wearing a Janet Jackson shirt. That was what it was. And the person was asking me how I felt about Michael Jackson, how I felt about the Jackson five and, and Motown and a bunch of stuff. And I was like, you know, I have, I have a love for all of it. And I was like, but I think the thing is, is once you take Michael Jackson out of the Jackson five, it just doesn't work. Like there was not that star power. I mean, the Jackson five tried going on without him, but it's like, you know, I'm sorry, Tito and Marlon and, and, and all them aren't going to they don't have the draw that that it factor that that Michael had, even at a young age. That's why Michael was the focal point of the Jackson Five, uh, and to see what he did, you know, on his own, I think showcases that Michael had a lot more of the talent and knew more about the music. I mean, you go on and watch that uh, this is it documentary, and to see Michael, who, as far as I know, couldn't play a fucking instrument to save his life, but to see him with his band for for the dress rehearsals for the tour. And, you know, he's telling, you know, he's telling his band leader, the, the keyboard player, I think it was on uh, on The Way You Make Me Feel, where it's like, you know, they're kind of slowly kind of getting into it. And he's like, you got to let this part simmer. You got to let it simmer. Play it a little bit longer. Keep it longer. And every time the band would try to come in, he's like, no, no, no. You kind of keep building this part. You know, music is about the tension and the release and all this kind of stuff. Like, Michael understands music and he understands how it makes people feel. <clears throat> And it's one of those things that I think that is what's interesting about music, whether it be hip hop, whether it be rock, whether it be metal, whether it be, you know, pop country, whatever. When you find the people who really know how to write a good song and make great music, it transcends any genre or style. And to me, that's always been the fascinating thing. Once you start learning more about music history, you know. I was telling Malcolm about, you know, having just seen Dave Grohl uh, talking with Pharrell. And he was like, you know, every, and Dave's like, everyone knows the drum beats that smells like Teen Spirit. Like, you know, and he basically goes. And he goes, but then when you see the video, he's like, oh, I fucking lifted that from like the Gap Band, where it's like, like, and you start realizing how much. If you are a fan of music, you can bring your influences from other styles into this thing that you do. 
And I mean, you look at a lot of bands like, you know, you look at a band like Paramore or like Fall Out Boy. And I think on those early records, you can really hear their hardcore influences. Like there's a lot of odd time signature things that they did in a pop way. Um, I And I fucking love that. I mean, you look at a band like Gym Class Heroes and they brought in, you know, Travi's love of like Hall & Oates and stuff like that. And I mean, you look at Hall & Oates and they bring in their love of, you know, Motown and R&B into, you know, what they do. And it's all cyclical. And I think, you know, you can really see that with what Malcolm has been doing with his solo stuff, where he's kind of blending in, you know, guitar and pop and hip hop and kind of this little bits of like R&B and just it's it's really interesting. And, you know, I still feel like there's more to what Malcolm can do. And I, and I think, you know, as he kind of said, he, he's still he's still kind of figuring it out. He's still writing a lot of different stuff. And I think that's that's kind of the fun part about getting to talk to some of these artists who are, and I'm not saying Malcolm's early in his career, I think he's early in what he's doing now. And I think that's the fun part about finding someone like Malcolm who has the success that he had with Unlocking the Truth, but he's able to now parlay that into something that's a little bit more, I think, honestly himself. And as a person, he's he's figuring out who he is. Um, and so I think to, to take this musical journey and just the journey itself with him, I think is going to be really interesting and fun. Um, and that, and kind of going back to my initial point, that was kind of the interesting thing about thinking about Malcolm growing up and, and what Unlocking the Truth did at such a young age to where they're kind of being lauded as, as you know, bringing back metal, bringing back rock to the, the forefront. And, you know, we see these tags. I mean, you look at a band like Trivium, they were supposed to be the, the band that saved metal. And we start heaping on these, these lofty expectations on people. Um, we see it all the time in sports, LeBron James, you know, I remember, like I said, you know, his, his games were televised from high school on national TV on ESPN and, and people would watch like it was an NBA game. And before that they would even play the game, they would show these packages, you know, showing Larry Bird and Magic Johnson and Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and Shaq and like some of the game's best. And then it's like, and then here's this high school kid who's supposed to be, you know, the next Michael Jordan, the next Kobe, who's going to save basketball and take it into the next, you know, 20, 30 years. Like, I don't think we think about the, the pressure we heap upon children with these these expectations. And to me, that's that's an interesting thing. If someone's aware of it, that it's happening, what does it do to you? How does it make you feel? Um, how does it how does it affect the art that you make? And, you know, for, for Malcolm to kind of go into it right away with me and kind of go there, I thought was really commendable and really awesome. And, and major props to him uh, for, for answering everything and, and not being afraid to, to get serious and go deep with me. Um, that's not something that everyone can or will do. So I always appreciate it when those that will do. All of that aside, though, I uh, want to say thanks again for Malcolm for giving me the time. Uh, hopefully you check out his stuff. Uh, he put out a new video uh, about two weeks ago as I'm recording this uh, called Caroline. Uh, he also has a few other videos out as well. Go check it out. There's, I think there's something there for you if, you, uh, if you're actually willing to listen to the music uh, and kind of take it all in. Uh, obviously, Malcolm also is trying to be more of a visual artist in that sense as well. Um, so go check it out over there on YouTube. You can just find him under Malcolm Brickhouse. Um, and while I'm plugging everything else, if you would like to keep up with him on Facebook, it is at Malcolm Brickhouse, Instagram at Malcolm.Brickhouse, and Twitter at Malcolm Brickhouse. Again, that is M-A-L-X-O-L-M-B-R-X-K-H-O-U-S-E. Um, so not entirely how you would think it's spelled. 
Uh, or you can just look in the show notes. Everything is down there. Uh, if you would like to keep up with the show, it's simple enough. BrewSpeakPod.com is a landing page for everything. Anything you need to know, that is where we are. Uh, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash BrewSpeakPod. For as little as a dollar, you get access to my weekly uh playlist breakdown videos. Uh, I've been putting up a couple more what I learned from a podcast videos. You also get access to episodes that will never be aired <laughs> as well as uh, at the $3 tier, you'll get access to the early audio of everything I do before it gets put out as an actual episode. So you could have heard this probably about a month, month and a half ago. Uh, and for the $5 tier, if you are interested in checking out the videos where they are applicable, uh, those go up over there as well. Uh, a lot of great content over there. Uh, so if you feel like supporting the show, would be greatly appreciated. Uh, if you'd like to support our sponsors, well, they're also in the show notes and you heard the ads at the beginning of the episode. Want to thank Rockabilia. Want to thank Bean Bastard. Want to thank On Point Palmade. Support all of them if you can. We have codes. Again, look in the show notes. Uh, save me some money on some of those places if you decide to shop there. And that about wraps it up for this episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am John. And join us next week where we kind of keep on the hip-hop rock metal train as we welcome jamie mad rocks again from twisted uh that was a really great conversation thank you guys are really going to enjoy that uh so stick around next week jamie mad rocks talk to you then